Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, you're listening to The Future of Media Explained with me, Press Gazette, Editor-in-Chief, Dominic Ponsford. And this week, we're learning about affiliate marketing. And joining me on The Future of Media Explained sofa this week, we have Aisha Majid, who is our data journalist. Hi, Aisha. Hi, Dom. Always a pleasure to be on the podcast. Joining us from sunny Spain. I am, I am, and it is indeed. Very sunny, as usual. So we're talking about affiliate marketing or affiliate links. We've got a really good expert witness on later on in the form of Christian Broughton, who's the uh, MD of The Independent, where um, they make a bunch of money from affiliate marketing or affiliate links. Well, it's one of those revenue streams that we probably don't talk about that much on Press Gazette. Our big thing is we talk about sort of straight up advertising and sort of automated advertising and subscription revenue. Affiliate marketing is one of those sort of growing barriers. So we'll start off by finding out what we know about it so far. I thought we'd have a reasonable amount of it. We've written about it a fair amount over the last year. But what exactly is it, Aisha? Well, I guess it's most basic. It's where someone promotes another company's products on its website and you you earn a commission basically by sending the the reader or the buyer to that retailer site to, to make a purchase. So in the news publishing industry, you've probably most likely seen this in the form of recommendation articles like the 10 best headphones to buy this Christmas or an article in the Telegraph about a particular holiday destination, which will have links in it to websites where you can, for example, like buy the flight or book the hotel. Affiliate marketing, it's it's a smaller part of a much bigger e-commerce revenue stream for publishers. Someone like The Independent, they definitely take that larger view and it's a serious revenue stream for them. So that might include, for example, selling directly through your own shop front on your website like GQ does, for example, or branded merchandise like BuzzFeed does or has done, or The Independent, they have their own TV channel which runs commercial content. So it's part of the bigger opportunity. Yeah, so you've got the links where you get a kickback from um, Amazon or whoever's selling the ultimate product. But then I guess, yeah, you can take a bigger slice if you're actually going into e-commerce and selling stuff directly yourself and almost becoming a shop. I had a little brainstorm before and I thought about what I know about it. And I'm thinking that Money Saving Expert is the website that really woke me up to this as a significant revenue source for publishers. So this was the website set up by Martin Lewis. He set up, well, just an email, wasn't it? And then he turned it into a website with all his money saving tips. And he thought, well, how am I going to make money from it? So he started charging for links 
to various products that he was talking about. And he always said, you know, I won't let that impact what I write about, but I will charge for the links if I write about something. And he sold that for £87 million in 2012. I thought, well, hello, it's big money in that. And then, as you said, it's something that you see a lot around the internet in quite creative ways. So Mail Online has its fashion finder. Sidebar of shame is lots of stuff about what people are wearing. And so um, Mail Online has a sort of widget that it puts in there where you can buy something similar to what people are wearing, which I guess works quite well for them. So kind of a good revenue source. There's some challenges around it, aren't there? I'm thinking there are probably some ethical questions around it that maybe you get into with Christian. It's quite wobbly, isn't it, potentially, as a revenue source, because I think it gets impacted by SEO, doesn't it? Because a lot of it is around people searching for, uh, you know, best tumble dryer, sort of thing I would do. You know, you get 10 best tumble dryers, buy a tumble dryer. But if your publisher website is not coming up near the top of Google, then you're not going to get the money, are you? It's definitely a potentially lucrative revenue stream for publishers. But as you say, yeah, there are lots of challenges around it. I guess it's not as straightforward as sort of sticking a few links in your articles and waiting for all the money to come in. Firstly, I mean, as you mentioned, there are the sort of ethical questions around it and this issue of editorial integrity. I mean, readers are going to see straight through if you're just recommending products that are not very good just to try and make some money. So I think it's important to, and Christian talks about this quite a lot, but it's important to sort of have that trust. And there's also, as you said, the SEO issue. I mean, it's it's not easier and it's getting harder and harder for publishers definitely to rank for this type of content in Google. And they're competing with a lot of other types of websites as well, because I mean, obviously the internet is full of people selling things. So definitely challenging there. Another thing, and this is something you'll hear more about in the interview, it's also quite a complex thing to do well and do right for a publisher because um, it's not just that link. There's a whole sort of infrastructure behind that, sort of making sure that readers do get a good experience, that if you do click on that link, that product is in stock and so on, and it ships quickly and all sorts of stuff like that. So it's it's challenging, but I guess for the publishers that have the time and, and the resource to put into it, it actually can be quite lucrative. I mean, the, the independent told us that they get about 10% of their revenue through e-commerce and future obviously a massive publisher i mean you can see in their sort of public reports just how much they get from e-commerce more broadly i think i had a look and it was about half of their half of their media revenue so it can be lucrative if you can overcome those challenges not to be sniffed at well look let's get into the interview and a quick recap on the independent so it went digital only 2016 And it's gone really from being a bit of a basket case commercially when it was print to being something that's a smaller business online, but one that consistently makes profit. So it's been in profit for the last five years with sort of turnover of around 20 million, I think. So it's a sort of success story, isn't it? But it's hit some tailwinds over the last year and made a bunch of redundancies. So it'd be really interesting to hear, hear how they're getting on. How did you kick off the interview, um, Aisha? Well, I started by asking Christian to explain what the uh, independent strategy is when it comes to their affiliate marketing. Can you explain what your overall strategy is when it comes to affiliate marketing and the different ways you bring in this revenue? 
When I first heard that you'd love to do this podcast about our affiliate strategy, I really wanted to broaden it, first of all, to talk about e-commerce, because I think affiliates has almost like a negative context in our industry. And I always think that's such a pity because I really believe that e-commerce and news publishers is a massive opportunity. And it's certainly proving to be that way here at The Independent. I think that when people first say affiliates, what comes to mind, particularly for people who aren't directly involved in that side of the business, is quite a kind of lazy assumption that people, okay, we've got some lifestyle content, we'll just throw in a few links, people buy off the page, and hey, some money comes in. And it doesn't do justice to the level of the opportunity, the breadth of the opportunity, the scale of the opportunity, and the level of expertise that you need in the business and the commitment you need. So certainly one thing I'd say about the independent and e-commerce is that we take it, I think, a lot more seriously and we really commit ourselves to it. And we have done for many years versus many other publishers who are a bit like us. You see a lot of good expertise in some of the specific lifestyle magazines. So those kind of very single issue magazines, the very sort of vertical publishers, you get a lot of good stuff happening there. The independent and e-commerce go way, way back. I go way, way back with the independent as well. I first joined the independent back at the end of the 90s. I'm almost embarrassed saying that's somebody who, who doesn't look like you would have been reading newspapers in the 1990s, actually. But it's is it's a long time ago and I came in on work experience and of course I was doing loads of things and meeting all these fantastically interesting people and trying to pick up all the commissions that I could and some of the most fun ones were writing for our shopping pages and we had two features that went out every day had a 10 best and they were across all kinds of things I think I did one on coffee machines once and uh, I remember my friends turning up to my apartment at the time and seeing thousands of pounds worth of coffee machines all in my kitchen, thinking, have you robbed the local coffee shop or something, Christian, what's going on here? But they all needed researching. And then on the weekends, we had two magazines on the Saturday edition, and one of them was called The Information, and the cover story on The Information was always the 50 best. And this is a bigger, sort of broader category, so 50 best sportswear, I think I once did. And it was produced not for money-making reasons. It was produced because we thought we were offering a fantastic service to our readers. And they were enormously popular with readers. We got a lot of feedback from them. We got lots of opinions about our picks. It was a really hot area of editorial. And then fast forward for me, I came and went a bit, but I came back to The Independent. And in 2012, I moved from the newspaper over to digital. And we realized, I think, pretty early that there was a great opportunity there to really complete the process for our readers. I think internet ideas are always at their very best when you make use of the technology. And how much shopping do we all do on our phones, on our laptops now? It's massive. So really, it came from reader service combined with the technical capabilities of having a live web environment where you can do shopping. And... The revenue has evolved. It's pretty serious revenue for us. It's one of our three or four absolute priorities to grow across the business. And it's substantial. It's growing year by year in a very exciting way. We take a broad view, which means that we have lots of deep connections with retailers and with manufacturers. We don't just do classic shopping categories. We also have things like big e-commerce play in travel, big e-commerce play that's just growing uh, which we started recently in wine, in a wine club. So it's very much more, I just wanted to get that out there at the start of this conversation, really, that when I hear affiliates, the opportunity really is a much broader e-commerce engine rather than just an affiliate business, as people think of it when they first hear that. That's interesting. I mean, how do you make sure that readers are assured that what you do is editorially independent? And you mentioned readers appreciating what you do. Is there a risk that sometimes readers can feel like they're being sold to? 
No, I don't think so. I think they really appreciate the advice, actually. Look, I look after various, my specific to you, I'm managing director of the Independent and I used to be the editor and I moved over to become MD, predominantly to take on a portfolio of businesses within a business that we see as having really transformational potential and really high growth rates. So e-commerce is one of those, TV is another one, for example. And really it's about building on the brand. So if you've come from a journalistic background, like nothing means more to me than the trust that readers have in the independence editorial strength. But if you trust us on really hard issues like analyzing the economy or reporting on a war, when you see our badge next to a review of something fun, I don't know, headphones or something, you know that we've given it the same editorial standards. I think what makes our e-commerce potentially different to some other people's is that we really do give it the level of expertise and specialism that is warranted by that amazing brand of the independent. So we have quite a big team for a news publisher in the e-commerce space. It's somewhere in the 20s at the moment, and that is across commissioning editors and sub-editors and audience like SEO people, social people. Data analysts is a really important thing that we should get onto later, actually talking about the data opportunity for publishers within e-commerce and also within the commercial side so the people that have the relationship with the retailers that we recommend. And I think it's good to come from a place of a real kind of solid journalism background in that because you're not going to part from the right path. We're not going to recommend the wrong product. It's just as important that we recommend the right retailer for that product. We have changed our processes over the years to learn a little bit more about that and to really make sure that people who are reading us have a good experience. I remember one instance when we were trying to diversify some of the people that we linked to, um, and it was during lockdown. And it was actually in 2020 that I moved over to be MD. So it's in October 2020. So it was probably not long after that. And oh, actually, it was January because I was having a bit of a health kick. So I was buying some recipe books of all things. And I was buying the Bosch books and I was cutting down on meat and I was doing the right thing. And I Googled up Bosch books, which are the best ones to buy. Sure enough, there was a, an independent e-commerce link came up. I thought, this is great. This, I'll be my own consumer here. I'll experience that. And I clicked on it. And the retailer that I ended up connected with back then on that instance, you know, we were trying to promote a kind of small book retailer, which is a great thing to do. But we hadn't had that really direct contact with that retailer at that point. And there's no point in us linking to, for instance, retailers who are going to be out of stock or who are going to take too long to send me my thing. Because if I get disappointed, I'm just going to go back to Google. I'm just going to Google it. I'm just going to buy it off a link that I'm confident in. So there's a lot of order fulfillment thinking that has to go on behind just the product reviews. You have to be very confident that you're linking to the right shop at the right price, that your price is up to date, that they have got it in stock, that they can send it to you in a good timeline, that you're going to be a happy customer. Because if it doesn't work, it doesn't work for the retailer, it doesn't work for us, so we don't make anything. And most importantly of all, it's not going to work for the reader. And they're not going to come back to the independent for their next e-commerce advice. I mean, one thing I imagine is that the space is probably more competitive now with other publishers adopting e-commerce operations as well. I mean, have you had to adapt your strategy and what you do in response to that or other pressures too? Yeah, we're certainly constantly evolving our strategy. It's a very, again, I think with the affiliates, some people imagine that it's quite kind of fire and forget that you just put some links in and sit back and there's this automated stream. I don't really hugely believe in those automated streams. I think that the kind of easy money always turns out to be fairly fickle, whether it's this year or next year, everyone gets excited about this kind of super easy way for news publishers to earn money. 
they come and go a bit. So we are constantly refining and improving our teams and improving our processes, improving our strategy and unlocking new opportunities. I would say that specifically on the question you ask about the new publishers turning to it, they tend to be a bit different, those publishers, to the independent. And I think that trust in the independent is so important there. We're living through what's being described as a consumer confidence crisis. And that's very real and a really good way to counter a lack of confidence is to go to brands that you really trust. Gone are the days when that brand is a lovely little family-owned shop on the high street near where you live, and a lot of us now source everything in this kind of hurly-burly online e-commerce space, which can be confusing and dizzying, and sometimes the best deals that you get tempted into are from retailers you never heard of. And sometimes you just need a bit of reassurance in that process from someone that you just really trust. And that's what we have in that space. So there are lots of new players and the whole world of e-commerce is changing very fast. We can absolutely get into some of that. But we have this really great anchor. We have this really great brand that people buy into uh, to see us through those hard times. I certainly think there's, a, there's an issue around competition to get to the top of Google, which is very much a thing within the e-commerce kind of news publisher space. So there's a lot of our competition to be, you know, Black Friday comes around and who wants to have the Black Friday deals link at the top of Google or who wants to rank top for certain articles where, you know, you can get to the top and stay at the top and you can build your revenue around those particularly high performing articles. Of course that exists. And yes, that's a good reason for diversification because news publishers or publishers in general, we can do a lot more than just get to the top of Google. We actually play a really interesting role in the e-commerce chain. So you start with a consumer that wants to buy something. The next thing they do, they might put it into Google. They might have a look on social media. The initial signal to the consumer, the initial spark of consumer intent might actually come from something they've seen on social media. Now, news publishers are also massive in social media, so there's an opportunity. It might be something that they've watched a video. Well, news publishers, certainly the independent, with independent TV, is becoming very sophisticated in its video output now. So there's another opportunity. In the pure affiliate game, you're just the introducer, right? Aisha, you decide that you want to buy something, you go via a news publisher, you get an endorsement, and then you click off and you go to a shop and you do your transaction on the shop. There's certainly a bigger opportunity for news publishers to really do the retail themselves, to sell stuff D2C, direct to consumer. So we don't have to just hand off to a retailer there. The e-commerce data point that I just referred to earlier is because actually news publishers have, or the e-commerce publishers, have a really interesting moment in that chain because we see people browsing. Actually, when they turn up to the shop to buy stuff, They've done all the kind of consideration, all the kind of consumer thought is played out on our site. And then we hand over to a retailer just to quickly do the transaction at the end of that process. One of the things that we've built out over, I would say, the last three years is our data capability to really see what categories, what specific products, what really completes well. It may not be necessarily the subject that you're really already known for. You've always got to allow the data to surprise and intrigue you and really go into it and really work out what's connecting. You know, homeware is really big for us. Food and drinks really big for us. Fitness and well-being is very big for us. Tech is very big for us. And within that, there are some certain hot products. Now, if you've got really good data, why not invest in that? Why not really build out those areas, both editorially, 
in your reviews. But, you know, who would rule out either acquiring a brand or selling something direct to consumer yourself, stocking product? If you know full well that next Mother's Day there's going to be a hot product that you can really fulfill or next Black Friday there's going to be a real bubble of interest around something next Christmas, your Christmas wish list is going to serve up something you're then really confident in. Then why as a news publisher, why wouldn't you place a bigger bet? Why wouldn't you, rather than just passing it over to a retail store, why wouldn't you actually stock a product, fulfill a product? You know, there are examples from Sweden, there are examples from India, where publisher groups have done that to great success. It's not really happening in the UK yet. So I think that's a very interesting area for kind of what next. Hi, I'm Anoush, and I host the New Statesman podcast. Twice a week, we get under the skin of Westminster to help understand what's going on and what's going to happen next. We interview politicians, policymakers, and people on the front line to get you the full story behind the headlines. Plus, hear from our award-winning editorial team, including political editor Andrew Marr, to get to the bottom of what on earth is happening. Listen to the New Statesman podcast. You can subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. It sounds like there are obviously huge opportunities in this area, as you've explained. I mean, do you have a a sense of how big you want e-commerce to be for the independent and where it's going to sit in your sort of broader business and the broader revenue mix? Yeah, we have a very good plan for that. It's one of the four strategic priorities we have across the business. We really do believe in this. I think it's a very good way for publishers to think very broadly about how to fund certain parts of journalism that they do. I look at all of our lifestyle category. Take something like travel. We all love reading great kind of adventurous travel, mind-expanding things of where people have been. So there's a kind of dreamy, aspirational, inspirational side of travel. But there's also a really kind of instructive side of travel. If you turn up to a travel magazine or a travel publisher or a travel section of The Independent and you really like it, well, you're there to book a holiday, right? You're there to go somewhere. And if that's been successful you'll end up going somewhere. And for the brand that you're working with, that's such a direct connection to success. So everyone's winning there, aren't they? The reader's really happy because they've found the holiday that they really want. The publisher's really happy because they've got the opportunity to monetize that through e-commerce. And the brands that lie behind that, the travel brands themselves, they're really happy because they're directly driving sales. So if you wind the clock back 10, 15 years with the independent, we went fully digital in 2012. But when we had print, say, you'd have glossy full-page ads of travel destinations. It's such a kind of loose system. For sure, that's funding lifestyle content for news publishers. Great. It's, it's a kind of top of the funnel. It's kind of, it's a very, you build inspiration to go somewhere. Uh, what's the connection really back to the company that's placed the ad? Whereas it, with an e-commerce transaction, it's all very trackable. So you can see exactly what everyone's getting out of that deal. We build e-commerce into a lot of the broader pitches that we do with brands. So we're very, we're very keen, we're very good at just going and speaking to companies, all kinds of companies. These could be energy companies, they could be tech companies, they could be travel companies, they could be supermarkets. And we listen and we hear what they're trying to achieve. And they know they're talking to Britain's 
biggest quality news publisher. And with this enormous reach, 10 to 12 billion content views a month, you know, our traffic on site, our record is just shy of 150 million uniques a month. It's really big. We just try to listen and hear what are you trying to achieve and how can we help fulfill that? But quite often in those really deep and very important and meaningful relationships we have with brands, we'll introduce an e-commerce dimension to it because usually in some way they're trying to sell something. They're trying to boost their sales. They're trying to boost their own results. And as I say, rather than a kind of 20-year-old vision of how advertising could work, actually, if you put something that's very trackable, transactional in there, in a much, much broader picture, we might be making some sponsored TV content for them. We might be doing some big kind of content sponsorship at that point. They might be sponsoring an event or they might be sponsoring a special editorial project that we're doing. But we might also build in something that, that's really meaningful within e-commerce there. When you say affiliates, that's not really the kind of business that people immediately think about, which is why I just made that comment at the start when somebody says, hey, come on and talk to us about affiliates. It's, we can do that, absolutely. But there's a much broader connection to be made between the whole world of retail and this amazing position that publishers own in that kind of online ecosystem of people wanting to buy stuff online. It's a much, much broader opportunity for publishers. Do you see yourself increasingly moving away from affiliates, affiliate marketing, I guess, as it's traditionally understood and handing over that relationship and increasingly trying to have that, as you say, that direct to consumer relationship or are you aiming to keep both sides of the... I think keeping both. I mean, really affiliates, I suppose, what does that mean? That means we've done a really good service for readers and for a brand and we've handed over a happy customer to a happy brand and we've made a connection. Now, that's really what we're talking about when we say affiliate revenue, right? And we get a commission on that and we're very upfront with the commission that we make off that. We never bias our selections. We never bias our, our stockists in a way that would negatively impact readers in that process. And we'll always, that's a really interesting part of the business. I don't think we would want to move away from that. But it's about elevating the pitch of that. And I think often when you're speaking to, unless it's kind of really to people who are on the inside of e-commerce teams or publishers, it can be We've seen a slightly second best to other forms of commercial revenues. It's small fry and it's quite just kind of fire and forget, chuck some links on a page. And we're still talking about affiliates in a way here, but we're just talking about elevating the whole concept, bring it really higher. But yes, absolutely. I think some D2C, some direct-to-consumer sales are inevitable for us. They start with building that data because suddenly you're exposing yourself to more risk than you are with just affiliates linking. Um, so you need to be really confident about what you're doing. But hey, we're doing way over 100 million in order value. We see a lot of consumer activity on the independent. And if we've got good data about how people are arriving, what they're looking at, how they're making those choices and where they're ending up, we should be really confident in fleshing out our own broader e-commerce plans. Um, you mentioned earlier, actually, um, the independence UK reach. Um, you're increasingly a global news brand. Can you explain how that plays into your inter e-commerce business too? Yeah, definitely. Over the next 12 months, we are going to be expanding our US e-commerce operations. I mentioned we do. We, Indie Best is a kind of shopping destination site on the independent that has traditionally been quite UK focused. Um, we're now producing more US-focused content there with US links, US you know, dollar pricing, US retailers, all the rest of it, and really tapping into the consumer trends there. 
Travel is another one that we plan to go big on in the US. There are initial areas that we're looking at, and I think that you'll see quite a big change happening at the independent over the next 12 months. And are there any other, you've mentioned some of the changes on the horizon. Is there anything else that's coming up? Yeah, it's about expressing that opportunity fully, really. As we grow, other parts of the business are obviously really well-connected. People think of affiliates and they think of SEO. It's a big SEO game. You hear that all the time in the world of affiliates. What about all that social media, those kind of social commerce that happens? What about all those people who are getting inspired to buy stuff from Instagram or Facebook or wherever they are, TikTok? So we're going to be doing more there. We've got plans there to really expand into social commerce. Shoppable video is another one. One of the other things that I specifically look after is independent TV, which is absolutely growing great guns. We've really extended our video teams and our capabilities. I'm talking to you from our new podcast studio. So hopefully that's coming across loud and clear, but we have a new AV studio suite in our new offices in Finsbury Square that we moved into at the start of the year. So building in shoppable video, certainly on that pathway as well. It's really good to see products, actually. Online, you kind of want to hold the thing in your hand. And the nearest I can make that happen for you, the tech isn't there yet, so I can actually make you hold that phone in your hand so you can see what it feels like. But showing you a video of it, again, it's just about making you as a reader or as a visitor happy, as a viewer happy in that moment and making you confident enough to buy that thing and get a really good consumer experience. So if you're buying it from those kind of cut-out images that you too often see online, you don't get a sense of scale, or look and feel and touch. And I think videos just a really good, powerful way of helping people make their minds up. Great. A lot's happening. Well, thank you very much, Christian. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, Aisha. Great to hear from Christian and great to hear that the independent still seems to be doing well. There's a sort of digital-only quality journalism success story, which to be encouraged. What are your thoughts then from that in terms of key take-homes for um, other publishers who might be listening and in terms of the sort of future of affiliate marketing and e-commerce as a sort of revenue stream for publishers? Well, I think obviously there was lots there in the interview. I think one of the things that struck me is that based on what Christian said, I mean, the opportunity can be really big for publishers who like the independent can and want to invest in it quite seriously. I mean, just the number of people that they have working on this is impressive. So it's definitely something that if you take it seriously and can take it seriously beyond sort of just putting some Amazon links in, in your articles, it can be a, an important revenue stream for publishers. The other thing that I think was quite positive and encouraging from what Christian said was this thing about the importance of trust. You know, as he was saying, the idea that if you trust the independent to report on other things, then, you know, you can trust their product recommendations and reviews and so on. And I think that should be quite encouraging for news brands because I think that's probably where they have a bit of an advantage among everything else that's out there on the internet and everyone else that's out there on the internet. About the future, I think, well, obviously, I mean, online shopping, I think it's a, it's a big business. And it's probably how you, I, and most other people sort of make our purchases these days. So I think there's probably a big opportunity in it for publishers. And if the predictions are to be believed and you do look at these sort of reports from, you know, marketing and advertising companies, et cetera, when you look at the projection for online shopping e-commerce, I mean, it's, it looks like it's only going to get bigger and bigger. So um Hopefully that's encouraging news for the news publishers there. Yeah, I think so. That's good to hear. I must say, I probably spend a lot of money via affiliate links myself. 
So I like to support the needed industry in my free time as well as during the day. But um, I imagine like many consumers, I'm quite sort of picky about which sites I trust. I always trust which, because I know they do really rigorous kind of testing. Ditto sort of tech radar, quite like them. And money saving expert. Those are the ones that stick out for me. But I think, as Christian said, it's that sort of journalistic rigor and trust that's got to be um, the grounding of it. Because otherwise, um, I think people are just very, very uh, canny when it comes to spending money. And there's only a certain websites they're going to trust, provided they put the work in. Brilliant. Thanks, Aisha. You've been listening to The Future of Media Explained with me, Prescott Editor in Chief. Dorney Ponsford and data journalist Aisha Majid, our expert witness Christian Broughton from The Independent and expertly engineered by Misha Frankel Duval. Thanks for listening, and you can read more about the topics we discuss in the podcast on our website, of course, pressgazette.co.uk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>